back with the WMAY Morning News Feed 722. I'm Greg Bishop, and joining us now is U.S. Representative Darren LaHood. We'll talk about infrastructure and a few other things. Congressman, thanks for taking time with us this morning on the WMAY Morning News Feed. How are you doing out there? Hey, I'm doing great, Greg. Great to be with you and your listeners today. Absolutely. So we've got President Joe Biden set to sign a $1.2 trillion package for infrastructure. Illinois set to get $15.8 billion, could be more with different grants that are involved. Um, what's your uh, take on this infrastructure bill and why did you vote against it? Well, I voted against it last week, Greg, because Nancy Pelosi tied this to the uh, Build Back Better bill, which is the tax uh, raising uh, bill that is going to raise taxes on small family, uh, on working families, on small businesses. Um, Listen, go back earlier this summer uh, when the infrastructure bill actually passed the U.S. Senate. If that would have been brought over on a clean vote uh, to the House, uh, I think there would have been a number of Republicans that would have supported it, more than 15. It would have been probably 50 or 60 but Pelosi uh, held this bill hostage. She tied it directly to the reconciliation bill, which is the Build Back Better, which is a, a bill, again, that I could never support. It, it adds about $1.5 trillion to the deficit. It raises taxes. Um, and that's the problem. I, I have long supported good infrastructure. My, my district, the backbone of that is roads and bridges and Uh, tunnels and airports and rail systems, and we should do that. Um, But the way this process worked and the way that Pelosi hijacked it, in the end, I could not support that. And we ended up with a very partisan bill uh, that, um, again, was tainted by what Pelosi did to it, and, and, and and I couldn't be a part of that. So when it comes to this infrastructure package, uh, you have, of course, they're they're shifting some of the unused COVID dollars uh, to, for instance, fund infrastructure projects. But uh, they do uh, a couple of different tax provisions, one being uh, looking to generate, uh, I think, like $28 billion over 10 years from uh, taxing uh, digital currency uh, brokers. Uh, And uh, have yet to really see the clear definition of what that could be in that space. Uh, there was another tax provision, too, that dealt with some kind of tax credits for uh, employers. Uh, talk a bit about how this thing's ultimately going to be funded. Well, remember, they said all along this would not uh, add to the debt. It, it, when it, in, in reality, when the uh, Congressional Budget Office did the scoring on it, it's about $270 billion in deficit spending over about eight years. So we're adding to the deficit not not just a, a few uh, million or, or, or a few billion, two hundred and seventy billion dollars. We go into debt over eight years. So when they when they said and promised that it would be paid for, that in fact is not true. You just referenced two different tax increases. There's a third one in there too. I mean, these are provisions that were tucked in there that are, are going to uh, again tax individuals depending on the business that you're in. Um, and now it did not raise the gas tax, but there again are other provisions in there that uh, are tax-raising measures. Uh, But the bottom line is it is not paid for. Um, About half of it is paid for by leftover COVID money, but a quarter of it is going to be paid for by taxpayers 
uh, going into debt over the next eight years. And, and frankly, um, that's not what was promised when the bill was originally introduced and not something that you're going to hear Joe Biden talk about today. Congressman Darren LaHood with us on the WMAY morning news feed at 726. Congressman, uh, other things happening in Washington, D.C., of course, news over last week and into the weekend. Steve Bannon uh, indicted. Uh, should uh, the Trump, former Trump administration be more willing to testify about uh, what's going on with the, the January 6th commission? Well, I, I will just say this as a former federal prosecutor, uh, you know, I think you have an obligation and responsibility to comply with subpoenas. Uh, when you get subpoenaed, uh, whether it's by a court or whether it's by Congress, you need to comply and you need to, um, you know, uh, be you, you're obligated to give that information. Obviously, Bannon didn't do that. Um, now, the, the Justice Department uh, has discretion on whether to charge somebody here. Uh, they did not do that. Um, but but let's go back a little bit, Greg. When Eric Holder was in contempt, uh, the Justice Department during the Obama administration never indicted him. Uh, there there are other examples where people have been held in contempt. Uh, and and uh, the Biden administration, I'm sorry, the Obama administration didn't bring that. So I, I, I think you need to put it in context here. But But just as a general matter, I will say that I think it's important for people to comply with subpoenas. Congressman, uh, the January 6th uh, investigation, uh, it's led to a a whole host of people being uh, held um, facing charges, but uh, questions have been raised about their conditions. Uh, How do we ensure that we, uh, you know, give people proper due process and and help maintain (laughs) a standard of uh, living within the jail while they uh, they await uh, uh, trial on some of these charges? Well, there are a couple things on that. Um, you know, I did not vote for the January 6th commission because um, currently the U.S. Department of Justice, along with Homeland Security and a few other agencies, are doing an investigation on the 400, 450 people uh, that violated the law by coming into the Capitol as part of this um uh, January 6th um, uh, event, they are being prosecuted appropriately. Uh, th- they have been given public defenders uh, where they can't afford an attorney. They've been given every right in the court system. Uh, they've been given hearings. Uh, some have been held because uh, they couldn't make bond. Uh, others have been held because they've been viewed as a, slight, a flight risk in a court system. But I have not seen anything, Greg, up until this point that shows that there has not been um, the, 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 you know, where due process has not been given to them, where they have not had access to attorney, where they haven't been uh, treated any differently than any other criminal defendant would, would have been. And again, that's part of the reason why I, I didn't vote for the January 6th commission, because let the criminal justice system play out like it would for anybody. I, I'm not at all concerned at this point from what I've seen. Uh, that anybody's being treated any differently than a normal criminal process within the uh, w- with it within the U.S. Attorney's Office and the Department of Justice. If and when um, I see evidence that in fact people are being treated differently or disproportionately, then I think we got to look at um, you know the, the possibility of, of of other options.
Congressman, something else that uh, some circles are focusing on um, is the uh, outcomes of the John Durham investigation uh, into the origins of the Russia-Trump collusion narrative uh, and the Steele dossier uh, that ultimately was uh, uh, used to open up uh, multiple uh, warrants, uh, FISA warrants against uh, Trump campaign um, uh, or uh, others affiliated with the Trump campaign and uh, the, the president's administration for a few months into the initial phase of his administration. Uh, where are we at on this? And do you foresee more coming out uh, highlighting uh, who may have uh, crossed the line uh, and getting that uh, that information uh, into the, uh, the ether, so to speak? Well, Greg, just to review, Greg Durham, who is a neutral federal prosecutor out of the U.S. Attorney's Office in Connecticut, career federal prosecutor, was appointed by uh, the Attorney General to look into this matter almost two years ago. Now, I think it's taken way, way too long, but, um, you know, he has found, he just indicted um, a, a Russian last week, uh, Darkovich, who it turns out was blatantly giving false information um, to, to um, you know, to, that led to the Steele dossier, has been indicted. Um, uh, you know, I, I think finally Durham is getting to the bottom of this. Christopher Steele, which was the um, you know, the origins of the Steele dossier uh, turns out that he was a complete fraud um, that that Hillary Clinton, you know, used to put together the Steele dossier uh, to, to, you know, um, try to tie President Trump as a candidate, candidate Trump to the Russians. It turned out that was all built on a pile of lies and fraud. Um, now, it's it's amazing. That it's taken four years now and Durham to get involved to do that. But I give Durham credit for bringing this indictment, for, for making comments on, on what Steele, who he was, is basically a fraud, but also looking at the predicate that was used for these FISA applications. FBI agents went into federal judges when they were applying for these FISA warrants, um, which is no small matter, and they, and they lied. Uh, and people need to be held accountable for that. And, and so I think Durham's uh, getting closer to holding people accountable to that, but uh, we still got to give him the ability and the authority and the responsibility to get to the bottom of this. No American, regardless of political affiliation, should ever be treated the way that uh, that um, you know Steele was able to do this and others within the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, and you know Jake Sullivan, that's currently uh, working for Biden, he was involved with this. It appears so. We, we still have some a ways to go to get to the bottom of, but we need to support John Durham and his investigation. Well, again, the third indictment uh, was Dinchenko, the uh, the Russian operative, uh, being um, uh, charged with lying. He's pleaded not guilty. You've got a a Clinton lawyer, uh, Michael Sussman, I believe, also charged in this, and an FBI lawyer uh, who did plead guilty to changing documents uh, in that entire process. We'll see where all that goes. Finally here, uh, Congressman, as we uh, push the limit here <laughs> past the news break just a little bit, uh, congressional maps, uh, where do you stand? Uh, you you, uh, you running again? Are we going to going to see you um, uh, in, a, in a new district? Uh, yeah, I announced a couple of weeks ago, Greg, that I am going to run in the new redrawn 16th congressional district. Um, you know, it's unfortunate uh, that these maps are blatantly gerrymandered. Uh, 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 Pritzker went back on his word of, of wanting to have a fair map. I mean, I don't know if you've seen that, you know, nonpartisan groups around the country have rated Illinois' map as an F-minus 
uh, because it's just just terribly gerrymandered. And so, yeah, my district changes. It moves me farther north. I keep the Peoria area blooming to normal, but I go north all the way to East Dubuque, Iowa. I go all the way up to the Wisconsin border. So it's unfortunate, Greg, that I'm going to lose. Uh, it appears in this new map, uh, Sangamon County. Jacksonville, uh, Lincoln, um, some really good areas that I've enjoyed representing. But um, um, I, I look forward to running in the new uh, redrawn 16th district and and hopefully earning the trust of the voters. We'll, we'll watch that closely as well, and uh, we'll definitely stay in touch up until the point where you're no longer <laughs> representing. If you do indeed uh, retain that seat, um, uh, we'll definitely uh, stay in touch. Uh, Congressman Darren LaHood, greatly appreciate your time this morning. Be safe out there, all right?